Hi, and welcome to Com Church Talks. This is our sermon of the day. We pray it will be a real blessing to you. I know you'll be encouraged, challenged, and uplifted by the talk you're about to hear. A couple of weeks ago, I was chatting to so myself and Scott and Vic were, were talking, and um, Vic and I, were, we were just chatting about Old, film, uh, old films and TV shows, don't we? And so we we're talking about how we can quote old shows. Um, I've got very fond memories of uh, me and my dad in particular. We used to quote things like Forty Towers. You used to watch Forty Towers? Yeah. Uh, and anybody, anybody used to watch Blackadder? Blackadder, yeah. See, my, my, me and my dad used to quote um, all these kind of stuff. And so Vic and I, and with Scott, we were talking about these old movies and Vic, Vic and myself, we were just quoting some of the lines from these shows and uh, it felt great. But um, there is a point to this, by the way. I'm not just saying who watched these old shows. Um, now, Blackadder 2 uh, in 19, uh, what was it, 1986, uh, so they'd been kidnapped and then released and, and they were asking if, if he'd missed people when he'd been away. And... Um, They'd all ask him, and he was rude to some and polite to others. But the Queen uh, asked him, he said, Edmund, did you miss me? And this is his response. He said, life without you is like a broken pencil. And she said, explain. And he said, pointless. Which is rather sweet, coming from Edmund Blackheader. But that, that just one line... It's kind of what got me thinking about my message today. Now, people do feel that way, don't they? Sometimes life is a little bit pointless or things in life can seem pointless. Um, I don't know about, about you, but as I've got older, there's a lot of things that I used to worry about being younger that I'm just not worried about anymore. It was just pointless worrying about it. Why did I worry about it? And, but for a lot of our younger generation, those, those things are real. And you remember I worry, used to worry so much about you know, maybe being popular, having the latest thing, but actually now, oh, it doesn't really matter. But when you're that age, it's, 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 a, it's a reality, and we can feel that. Um, and we're now in a series, uh, week three of a series, called The Writings on the Wall. And so we're looking at all these con words around the room. So all these con words, now week one, Julian started us off with the welcome and the, the, about, talked about hospitality. Uh, last week, Marcella spoke about communication. And uh, so as we're in that series and as we're going along, we're gonna, not going to let you know which one we're going to talk about just yet, you see. We're keeping that a secret until it is uh, too revealed. And, uh, but I suppose by the time you get to the last week, you're going to guess there's only one left. By the process of elimination. Now, but all these words around the room are part of the DNA of who we are as Com Church. They explain the Com in Com Church. And actually, what I'd like to challenge us all as at the beginning of my message is when, when people go ask you, which is part of the point of the name, what does, what does Com Church mean? All these words and more. But this is what uh, I want to challenge you. So this morning, I'm going to be looking at the book of Ecclesiastes, um, which Solomon, who's known as the, one of the wisest men who lived on the planet, one of the wisest men, he, um, he, uh, he'd learned a lot 
He wrote this book in his old age. He'd learned a lot. He, he'd learned through stuff that he'd experienced, stuff that he'd seen, and he wanted to write it down. So he wrote it down in this book, and it was to spare future generations a lot of the heartache that he'd seen or witnessed or, or um, stuff. And um, he wanted to spare them of the suffering and misery after seeking after foolishness, after meaningless materialistic emptiness, and offer wisdom by discovering truth in seeking God. So if you've got your Bibles with you, uh, or a device that you can have your scripture on, we're going to be looking at Ecclesiastes 4, um, reading 7 to 12. Um, I'm going to be reading this from uh, the New Living Translation. So Ecclesiastes 4, 7 to 12, and it reads like this. I observed yet another example of something meaningless under the sun. This is the case of a man who is all alone, without a child or brother, yet who works hard to gain as much wealth as he can. But then he asks himself, who am I working for? Why am I giving up so much pleasure now? It's all meaningless and depressing. Verse 9, two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed If one person falls, the other can reach down and help them up. But if someone falls alone, they're in trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Okay. Julian, we are ready. We're ready to go. Right, so in, uh, we have just read in Solomon's Wisdom that to be alone is meaningless. Spending all our time in search of riches like a, like a workaholic, um, working so hard to get everything they can, which isn't a wrong, bad thing, by the way, working hard. But when it comes, uh, our priority over our relationships with family, friends, each other, then it becomes a problem. All we're doing then is gaining colleagues and not, uh, not friends. And as, as, as Solomon wrote, that's, that's all meaningless. So you may have some idea of my, the con word which I'm going to be looking at today. My con word, as beautifully displayed by Julian, is companionship. Now I didn't get this because I, I'll explain in a moment, because if you were here last week you'll know... Um, Sarah said to me, why don't you have a sofa on the stage? I was like, oh, that'd be nice. It's because there's a sofa on the picture that it would have worked. But if you were here last week, you'd remember that I have a very good skill. Oh, this was later down in my talk, but I'll do it now. I have a very good skill of nodding, going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and looking like I'm listening, when obviously I'm not. So uh, uh, there, there's something there. Now, um, so companionship, uh, this is how the, the dictionary, uh, one dictionary explains it. It says, a feeling of fellowship and friendship, like, for example, the love and companionship of a husband or spouse or a wife. Um, other words that are used synonyms of that, friendship, fellowship, closeness, togetherness, rapport, brotherhood, sisterhood, uh, comradeship, solidarity, uh, togetherness, intimacy. So there's a lot of words which are linked together in explaining what companionship is all about. 
Now, in the, in the film um, uh, Castaway, has anyone seen Castaway? You have. All right. In all of us, there is an inherent need for companionship. I think there's, there's something in us that, that looks for it. There's something in us that we, we can be alone for a while, but there's something in us that we, we need others. And in the film um, Castaway, now Tom Hanks' character, uh, his character is called Chuck. And he was stuck on an island alone until this point. So there's a video I just want you to just watch here. Here we go. Now, who knows the name of that character? Wilson! 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 Okay. So, Wilson! Uh, now, although Wilson was just a volleyball, all right, Wilson was a volleyball, he became Chuck's only companion on that island. And that's one of the reasons he survived, because he knew he had no other option. He was on his own on this island. He had nowhere else to go, no one else to speak to, and... So his option was, I'm going to make a volleyball into my friend. Because in us, there is this inherent need for companionship. Now, loneliness can be crippling. For some people, loneliness can be crippling. And I just want to read to you some stats um, and statistics about loneliness uh, and isolation, or social isolation, I should say, in the United Kingdom. So listen to these. 17% of older people are in contact with family and friends and neighbours less than once a week, and 11% are in contact less than once a month. And that was uh, something done, a study done in 2003, so that's quite old. Uh, Two-fifths of older people, which they say, uh, this is from Age UK, they say that's about 3.9 million people, say that their only company or their main company is the television. 59% of adults over 52 who report poor health say that they feel lonely some or uh, often, some of the time or often. This is compared to 21% who say they're in excellent health. So loneliness, there's a a key there to loneliness, that there's something in loneliness. However, although those stats are about the older generation, um, that it doesn't just affect the oldest in our society. It's also amongst our teens, our children, uh, amongst our 20s and 30s. Loneliness is uh, a serious, serious thing. In fact, the Mental Health Foundation identifies that 18 to 35-year-olds as the age group most likely to struggle with loneliness. I think some of that possibly, 18 plus, you're so used to being in a community at school, once that ends, what do you do? And do you keep up with people? It's such an issue that um, in 2017, MPs launched something called the Loneliness Commission because it is such, becoming such a serious thing and such a thing that affects society. Now, the impact of loneliness, um, this is part of the report, the impact of loneliness uh, is a bigger problem than simply an emotional experience. It says research shows that loneliness and social isolation are harmful to our health. Lacking social connections is is a comparable risk factor to early death as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. That's mad, isn't it? Now, we we understand and know the health implications of smoking. People try to give it up all the time. And loneliness is a comparable risk factor. 
And, is, and it also says, and it's worse for us than well-known risk factors such as obesity and physical inactivity. Loneliness increases the likelihood of mortality by 26%. Now, that's madness, isn't it? When you think about it, you think, um, I can survive on my own, I can be on my own, I can do it all on my own, and some people can, but for some, it is, it is crippling. So Solomon was basically saying here, as we read in verse 8, uh, there's this person that he was talking about, a person that works so hard uh, and works all the time that they've got no time for people. Like I said, there's nothing wrong with working hard, but if it overtakes our, um, and over, kind of the pursuit of that becomes more important than people, and then that's pointless. Because we know, I don't know if any of you have experienced this, but there is that saying, isn't it? You can be in a crowded room, but still feel alone. Rebecca Harris, who's a writer for The Independent, wrote this. She said, we are social animals and need to feel that we belong to others and feel connected to one another. Social pain is a real sensation for us as physical pain. Researchers have shown that loneliness and rejection activates the same parts of the brain as physical pain. Now, that's a serious thing. So we've identified there's a, there's a problem, there's an issue. But a problem is, remains a problem unless there's a solution. So we need to find a solution. So I want to look at three different aspects, three different things that will help us or that are in Scripture also and things that will help us with this. So I want to start with this. This African proverb, it was amazing. I, I read it and I thought, I've got to say this. This is what it says. It says, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. There's something in being together. There's something in doing something as a team. There's something in doing something when there's a group of people who are focused on the same thing. Which is one of the reasons why I think we're all so excited now about this soft play. Because people are getting behind it. There's real kind of togetherness. We're really starting to think, okay, what can I do? How can I promote this? How can I get this out there? What can I do? How can I be involved? There's something in togetherness. So we're going to look at friendship. Friendship. Now, in verse 9, it says, Two people are better off than one. For they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. To have friends add something meaningful to life. Having good friends makes a massive difference to a lot of people. It's good for our health. It's great uh, for a sense of self-worth and comfort. Thomas Aquinas said this about friendship, and I thought this is brilliant. There is nothing on this earth more to be prized than true friendship. Friendship? I'm getting hungry and thinking shrimp. Friendship. And Proverbs 17, 17 says, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born out of adversity. Now, probably one of the most famous friendships in Scripture uh, is that of Jonathan and David. Now, sometimes this uh, is quoted out of context and a bit controversial, but what I want to let you know about this is quite amazing. Now, this comes from 1 Samuel 18, 1 to 3, and it says that after David had finished talking with Samuel, Jonathan became one in spirit with David, and he loved him as himself. 
For that day, Saul kept David with him and did not let him return home to his family. And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. There's a couple of things I want to say there that the New King James Version says. It says, the soul of David, or soul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul, and they made a covenant together. This ultimate description of friendship, where one was knitted to the other, like a garment where they couldn't be separated, they were knitted together. In fact, Jonathan loved David as his own soul. This image is a massive example, the best example of love, loving one another, loving others, that Jesus describes in Matthew twenty-two thirty-nine, 39, where he said, love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus asks us to do that very thing, to love our neighbor as ourself. We need to love each other. Matthew Henry writes uh, about Jonathan and David that the friendship of David and Jonathan was the effect of, great, of divine grace, which produces in true believers one heart, one soul, and causes them to love each other. The union of souls is from partaking in a spirit of Christ, where God unites hearts, carnal matters are too weak to separate them. So our friendships, if they are linked with Christ, need to be pure, need to be right, need to be true, need to be honest, they need to be godly. Because we know that scripture warns us, doesn't it, about wrong kinds of friendships, wrong kinds of relationships. This very well-known scripture and verse, 1 Corinthians 15, 33, do not be misled, bad company corrupts good character. And Having, having that, that, that bond with, with, um, with people is important, but it must be right. And it, be, it must be in the right context. But that doesn't mean just because bad company corrupts good character, it means we shut the world off. Some people take that to the extreme and then cut everything off. Cut all people off who aren't Christians. And that's not healthy for us either. We need to be out there reaching people for Jesus. We need to be out there, but our relationships must be right. It's like when um, Jesus called Matthew. So when Jesus called Matthew, Matthew was a tax collector. Now, tax collectors weren't seen in a good light. They, they were seen as awful people. They were, they were seen as the worst of the worst, because not only did they take your money, they took more than they needed, and they were corrupt. And they weren't seen in a good light at all. But Jesus went to him. There was an intention for Jesus going to him because he said to him, he didn't say, come on, let's just hang out. He said, you, come follow me. So his intention was to disciple this guy. He became one of his disciples. He was there calling to him. He said, come follow me. And then he went round to his house to eat. And there was described, this is the description that was given in, in the Bible, that he ate with all these other sinners too. So Jesus was with all these sinners, um, and because of that, this is what they were saying. Why are you eating with all these sinners? Why are you eating with all these bad people? Don't you know they're bad? But this was Jesus' response, and this is brilliant. He said to them, is it not the healthy who need, it's not the healthy, sorry, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but those who are ill. I have come to call the right, I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. He placed himself right amongst them to reach them. He put his light where their darkness was. He became the healer among the sick. He put the truth that would set them free right amongst them, right in the middle of the sin that will entangle them. 
And we need to follow Jesus' example. We need to be out there so that the light that's in us shines and reaches these people. There needs to be an intention behind that so that we cover our hearts. Because the things that the world do, because the world do it, because they are the world. We can't say that they shouldn't do it. They're the world. That's what they do. But we show the light of Christ in those situations and be true to who we are. So we need to be even to the point of discipling those who aren't in the church. Being there, being Jesus for them. And we need to be placing ourselves in the vicinity of people outside the church, reaching them for Jesus. Because this fits exactly where our train track is. One of our train tracks, reaching the lost. Being there, living and preaching the gospel of Jesus. So my second one I'm going to look at is marriage. So verse 11 says, Likewise, two people laying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? Now, this doesn't just apply to marriage, but just, that's where I thought, oh, that'll be a good one for that. Now, I've already explained about why I didn't listen here. All right. Uh, so my, my very, very good, my, uh, my talent that I have, it's, it's a blessing and a curse. Um, so, uh, so I can look that I'm listening and, and, and not. And that's because Sarah and I have a bit of an understanding. Uh, well, she understands and I don't. That's how it works. No, that's, that's not true. That's not true. Um, but marriage, you, you need to work stuff out. And part of that is understanding one another. And we need to understand one another. So, this, so if you're not married... Uh, and you're looking to, this could be a good bit of information. Uh, and if you are married and sometimes struggling in uh, why, why does he do that or why does she do that, uh, this, is, this is a good bit of information. Now, I don't know if you've seen on Facebook, there's a guy, as a professor, explaining the difference between men's brains and women's brains. Have you seen this? Have you seen that? Uh, basically, he's saying that for a guy, uh, his brain works in boxes, so when there's a cooking box, he's in there. When there's something, so he's he's in boxes. Nothing's necessarily necessarily connected to anything else. If I'm doing this, I'm doing that, but that's not necessarily connected to anything else. Where a woman's brain is like this: everything is connected to everything else. So they can think about this stuff over here, and that's connected to this. So I'm going to need to think about this. So information is given. But a guy, if he's in, I'm watching a movie box. This information is not getting in. So I need to be, I'm listening box. Um, and one of the biggest frustrations, is, and I do this a lot, is that a guy has a box called nothing. And we can spend hours in nothing. What are you thinking about? Nothing. Because that's not connected to anything else, and we can spend hours there and be very happy. Uh, and so at those times, we're not listening. And I think it's just, but having that understanding, so I need to understand when Sarah's speaking to me, I need to go, right, I need to get out of my nothing box and listen. Um, and it's, I'm still learning. I'm still learning. But this, this ultimate companionship, this being together, this learning and understanding one another is, um, is, is one that should be, the Bible says, should be honoured above all. It is it's a picture of Christ and the church. As Jesus is one with the Father, we are one uh, with each other. Um, and it's a strong union, it's a strong bond that needs to take time to work on. Like any friendship, like any relationship, it needs time and understanding to work on. We need to spend time doing that. And it's one that uh, also the Bible says that um, 
not only should it be honoured above all, which is Hebrews 13.4, it's one that sh- the, where the wife comes under authority from the husband as long as the husband is loving the wife as Christ loved the church. It's one of sacrifice, understanding this companionship, this togetherness, um, this intimacy. So this companionship then should not be rude, it should not be arrogant, it should not want its own way, it should be kind and patient and respectful. And no relationship should be like that, or, and it should not be abusive, violent, or controlling. Marriage is a union of companionship which should show the glory of God. It should show the glory of God to this world. And Solomon wrote that two are better than one. And in that closeness, we can keep each other warm. And that warmth, that that closeness, that strength, that bond is so strong because Jesus is right in the centre of it. Someone wrote this quote, which I want to read to you. It says that successful marriage requires falling in love many times, but always with the same person. And I think that that can apply to to any relationship, really. Sometimes we just need to rethink and reevaluate. We need to look outwardly in what we do, in the way that we live. We need to think outwardly in our friendships and our marriages. Because when it becomes um, all about us, then we're on a losing streak. It's about the other person and both. When we're doing that in all of our relationships, it makes a huge, massive difference. And in that strength and in that bond, we become stronger and stronger. And it's a great thing. All right, my third one. Now I've explained why I don't listen, because I'm in my nothing box. (laughs) The next one, church fellowship. So verse 12 says, A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. The church, I'm going to make a statement now, the church is amazing. Do you know why? You. Because you are the church. You are the church. I could do that. I could get you all to point to somebody else. Point to somebody else. Say you. Let's do that. You. You. Jim's like, everybody, come on. That's why church is amazing. Because we are all following Jesus, who's the most amazing and awesome person ever. But because he is right in the middle of what we do. We are together standing for this purpose, for this, this person, this God, that's Jesus. We are together, grown together as, as living stones, like the stones that build a building together. We are those living stones held together, growing together, and being part of something so amazing because Jesus is right at the centre. He is the cornerstone. He is the thing that holds us all together. We are working for one purpose. We are living for one God in unity, the church should be the strength and unity this world sees. There should be the love that pours out onto this earth. The church should be the ones that make the difference. And we stand together in this strength and unity for the world to see, even when the world comes against us, when the world perse- is going to persecute us as it is doing to other churches across this world. When it comes over to this, this side of the earth, the persecution that we're seeing, it's a different kind of persecution, but when we are being victimised in ways that we don't have a voice anymore, we need to stand close together. And we will be strong against persecution and the arrows of the enemy. We must build each other up. We are the strength that each other needs. We are the thing that um, will make a difference when things come against us. 
And this reminded me of a story uh, that I want to read to you. Now, you'll probably know this story, and you'll know the people I'm talking about. There was a trap set. So a trap was set. King Nebuchadnezzar built a gold statue that was 90 feet high and 9 feet wide. And everyone is ordered to bow down to this statue. Every time the music was played, everybody, without exception, was meant to bow down and worship and sing to this idol, to this statue. If not, they would be burned in a furnace. I think some of you know who I'm talking about now. But the music was played. Everyone bowed down except for these three men. I know them as Rack, Shack and Benny. So all my VeggieTale fans out there know who I'm talking about. Others, if you hadn't had the privilege of Rack, Shack and Benny, will know them as Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. So the king was furious, absolutely furious with these guys and ordered them to be thrown and burnt in the furnace. This comes from Daniel 3, 16 to 18. Verse 16 says, The three men replied, Your majesty, we don't need to defend ourselves. The God we worship can save us from you and your furnace. But even if he doesn't, we still won't worship your gods and your gold statues that you have set up. Now, if he wasn't furious before, which he says he was, can you imagine how much more furious now? Not only have they said, no, we're not bowing, they've said, they've said to his face, no, sorry, mate, it's not happening. We are not going to bow down to your gold statues, whatever you say, because our God is a real God, and we are not going to bow down to you and your system. So because of that, they set the furnace seven times hotter than it's normally done. So hot, in fact, that the people that were going to throw them in got burnt up. Now, they expected these guys to be burnt up in seconds, much to their surprise. And as you will know, if, this, if you know the story, not only did they not get burnt up, not even their clothing got burnt up, but there was a fourth person appeared with them. They were protected because of this fourth person, which was described in Scripture because that's how they kind of knew it, was one that looked like a God. And we know that our God was with them. They protected them, came out unharmed. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego stood together in the face of adversity. When they were being persecuted and attacked, they stood together. They had this... um, they had this real strength and companionship and compassion for one another and a companionship for God. Something I thought was amazing is in that verse 16, we read, the three men replied. They all knew what they were going to say. They knew, they replied together. They They were so strong, they understood that giving anything up for their God was not on the cards, was not going to happen. They knew it. And when they were challenged, it wasn't, oh, what do you think you're going to say? He says, the three men said, they replied together. And they stood together. This standing together in strength, in faith for God, is a beautiful picture of what the church should be. 
When we stand together in strength, when, when the world comes against us, when the devil comes against us, there is no, sorry, I'm not doing that. I'm not following the world system just to maybe do this or be popular or this, that and the other. We stand together for God. They stood together. We, they had each other's backs. Do we have each other's backs? Do we stand together and have this companionship, this fellowship together? The church is a beautiful place where people of the same faith come together and grow stronger. We sharpen one another. The power of standing together for the gospel and the truth of God and doing something together in the strength of our faith and companionship, in that moment, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego had a miraculous sign. There was something so amazing that happened. It caused King Nebuchadnezzar to say this. And this is something he said. All right, Matthew, uh, Daniel 3, 28 and onwards. He said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, who has sent an angel and rescued his servants. They trusted him and defied the king's command and, and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own. Therefore, I decree that the, pe- that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to be cut into pieces and their houses burnt, turned into piles of rubble, for no other God can save them in this way. What an awesome sign to this king who thought he was everything, that had built a golden statue of it. This is who we are. And God is going to stand for us. We don't need to do it for ourselves. God is going to stand for us. In this moment, maybe this is not my message, but you may be going through something that you need God to stand with you in. That you need somebody else to stand you in. And let me tell you, God will do it. If you're doing things righteously and in the right way and biblically, he is there for you. Just as he was with these guys. Whatever you're going through that you need to stand and say, this is not right, this is wrong. God is going to be right with you. He will defend you. And you may go through what might seem like a furnace, but you'll come out the other side and there will be the smell of God on you. Not the smell of the fire you've been through, there'll be the smell of God on you. There'll be the whiff of God right on you. And you are going to show this world that God is alive. And that was going to make a massive difference to this world. Not only that, but he said in verse 30, the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego in the province of Babylon. There is a promotion for you when doing things right. There is a promotion that's coming your way if you do things right. When we do things right, when we do things godly, we might struggle, but we stand together. That companionship of standing together, we are strong. There may be disagreements, But when we're focused on the things of God, seeking him first, disagreements disappear. We need to break from the counterfeit that's out there and for the genuine relationships that we have for one another. Spend time with one another. Live together. We need that companionship and that fellowship. We, as the church, we must not let the culture define us. We must define the culture. I'm going to say that again. As the church, we must not let culture define us. We must define the culture. That's in our families, our friendships, our marriages, church. We define the culture. God defines our culture. We need fellowship. 
Acts 2.42 says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to breaking of bread and to prayer. There must be intention. We must devote ourselves. Come together. Be part of a com. Let me encourage you. If you're not, be part of a com. Don't do it alone. Find a place. There is a place for you. Find where you fit. Find a common church. Join and start a Christian union in your school if there isn't one. Do something. If there's a prayer space in school, college, work, wherever that is, be the light. Do something. Be part together where you are. Support one another. Find other believers in the places where you are to encourage and support one another. Be a strength to one another. Before I get to the the end of this message, I want to say this. Now, Josh McDowell wrote this, and I thought this was really good. So let this be an encouragement to you. He said, when it comes to my salvation, all I need is Jesus. After my salvation, everything is Jesus plus the church. When people preach that all you need is Jesus, they cut you and I off from the greatest sources of healing, which is the body of Christ. Don't go it alone you won't make it. We need one another. We need fellowship. We need to be with God's people. We need to be around those who share the same things as we do to grow stronger. We need, we need that because we're designed for it. We're designed for it. We need that in our lives. We cannot fully realize God's potential for us in the absence of relationship. Jesus spent time with people because he knew the importance of it. And he encourages us to do the same as a church. That saying that no man is an island is absolutely right. We, we aren't meant to go it alone. Read the, read the whole of the New Testament, even the Old Testament, read it. It talks about doing things together as, as, as a church or as a team or as a group of people going together, working it out together. Yes, we are meant to have times just us and God. But that's for our growth so when we come together we're stronger for one another okay so we need each other last thing three are even better for a triple braided cord it's not easily broken companionship should be held in high esteem because we don't want people to feel alone from the stats we read at the beginning we should be those who are connecting. Because we are all connected to the vine, we need to be that. We need to be that strength and encouraging one another, building each other up, not tearing each other down, reaching those outside our four walls and being the best that we can for one another and for our spouses. Now, I wanted to share this as I, as I, as I finish this morning because um, I've struggled with this myself and... Um, I just, I just felt that there may be others that, that feel the same. I came to a realisation of this and I struggled with this for a long time until I heard someone um, ministering on this. But for a lot of my childhood, um, I was quite an introvert. I was quite introverted. I, I had very few friends um, because I didn't like large crowds. Large crowds scared me. Um, so things like, and, and I've had to overcome that. Even, was it last weekend, I think we were at a wedding reception, and I knew Sarah, obviously, and the bride and groom, but very few other people. And that made me a little anxious. Now, people look at me and go, oh, yeah, but you're so outgoing, you do all these things and fun stuff and kids work and all that. 
Yeah, it's because I can extrovert quite well. But it's, I, have to, I have to make myself do it. Being introvert, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, we can be that. But understanding that is something that we can overcome. Some people are on the other end of the scale and everything's a party. Sometimes you need to be a little bit sensitive and go, actually, this is not a party. It's more like a wake. We need to be sensitive at this time. And it's that understanding of who we are, who God has made us to be. Where does that fit? God will do exceedingly and abundantly above all we ask or think. If we're struggling to overcome the certain situations, or if, you're, if, you're str- if you struggle with that, God can do immeasurably more in your life. So don't leave it out alone. And remember, Jesus, through the Spirit living in us, is our greatest companion, and he calls us friend. What an amazing thing. He calls us friend. So I want to put a challenge out there. As I close this morning, I want to challenge us all, including myself. So when I say you, I do include myself in this, but I want to address every one of us. Who are you being a companion to? Who is lonely in your street, your workplace, or church? Even in this room, there might be. So we've got this great, wonderful, beautiful group of people, but someone might feel alone. They're not alone, but they might feel lonely. Who are those people? Let's be there for those people. For those who are married and all those who are going to be married very soon, or are married but are going to do the same, who are just starting out in their married lives. It's awesome, isn't it? What a beautiful you know couple. No. There might be other people as well. Um, are we being the best lifelong companion that we can be? Are we being the best? Not they should be better. Are we being the best that we can be? Let us be the best lifelong companion, spouse, husband, wife, that we can be. And my last challenge. Are you strengthening your brothers and sisters in Christ? Are we being a companion? Are we being in fellowship? Are we trying to isolate ourselves? And if we are, maybe ask ourselves that question. Julian said it earlier when he was praying. You know, it is hard because loneliness is crippling, but sometimes we can feel that maybe I need to be there. I need to cut myself off from people. And actually, that's not a healthy place. So as Julian said earlier, and I want to challenge you again, is that don't cut yourself off from people. People are hard. People are difficult. People are awkward because they're not like me. That's what we think, isn't it? That's also what makes them so beautiful. They're not like me. If everyone's like me, this place would be awful. They're not like you. And that's the beauty of it. But as the church, we serve one master, serve one God who calls us friend. 
And so we need to be building each other up. And in that light, are you tearing anybody down? Let's think about that. Can I be the best companion to fellow believers that I can be? Do you have each other's backs? Do you have the back of a brother and sister? Let's get involved in people's lives. Let us be the ones that make the difference in people's lives. I thought about this last week, and uh, I don't want to embarrass her at all, but I've just, she's just caught in the corner of my eye. I did say this to her, that I might, I might mention it, and I will do now. See, social media can be a great thing if we use properly, and uh, as much as I'm trying to not use it all the time, um, certain things do catch my eye, and I said thank you to her last week, because she makes herself a companion. You're all wondering who it is now, aren't you? <laughs> So I went over to Michelle Villa last week and I said thank you to her because often I just go on Facebook, scroll through and it's just, hi, this is me and so-so together. And I'm like, she just makes herself available. Hangs out with people. I thought, what a wonderful thing. When I started thinking about this message, it was just something quickened in me. I went, wow. And I'm sure there are many other people that do the same. But it's just in that moment, there was like, I need to say thank you to her. Maybe it was a Holy Spirit thing. Maybe she just needed a bit of encouragement. But it's something that really stirred in me. I thought, that's wonderful. She was, uh, oh, you were Sharon Hamilton, weren't you, the other week? Just hanging out. And many other people do the same. It's not that Michelle's this one, you know, the be-all and end-all of, of just being out with people. It's just an example I want to share with you. Just puts herself out there. Finds those who can't get out the house. Finds those who find it difficult to get out and just, I'll turn up. Be there, hang out for the day. How wonderful is that? And that's the beauty of the church. We all do that, I'm sure. But let me let be an example of encouragement to keep doing it. Let's keep on keeping on. Being a companion to one another. Strengthening one another. Being the best that we can for one another. Let's keep doing it. Let's keep doing it. Let that be an encouragement. That is is happening. It is working and we are doing it. Because it's hard work. It takes time out of our day and it's difficult. But we need to make time to do it because when it's our turn, we'll know and understand there are people who do the same for us. When it's our turn, when you do something stupid like last year, breaking your foot and you're stuck at home, people just turn up and encourage you. Isn't that right? It's great. So be encouraged, but also be challenged. Let's see what else we can do. Who else can we visit? Who else can we see? Who are we reaching out to? Who are those we're witnessing to? All right, we're going to pray. If anything's touched you in, in this message this morning and you want prayer, I know we've already prayed, but if you want prayer again, we're more than happy to pray with you. If this has sparked something, if you wanted to come out earlier and just thought, no, I didn't want to, and now you're going, now I need to, we're going to we continue to pray. We're always happy to pray with you and speak over your life. But Jesus, we thank you that you call us your friend. You are our greatest companion. Let us use your example. Let us use, our, let us use your word as an example to reach out and love those around us, whether it's those in the world, 
whether it's our spouses and whether it's our brothers and sisters in Christ, whoever it may be, help us to love as you loved. Help us to do what you did. Help us be that greatest companion, spending time with people just to bless them and love them and show them the light of Jesus. Thanks for listening to Com Church Talks. We'd love to hear from you and you're welcome to any of our Sunday services or midweek comms. For more information or to get in touch, visit our website at www.comchurch.org.uk or find us on Facebook. God bless.